Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 118 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the works of writer, director, producer J.J. Abrams and his Bad Robot Universe. I'm Matt Crandall here with Marcelo Inestroza as we continue diving into Fringe, the fourth season. Today, we are talking about episode 10 and 11. The first episode, episode 10, Forced Perspective, aired January 27th, 2012, written by Ethan Gross, directed by David Solomon. And Marcelo, have you drawn any good pictures lately? Uh, no, not lately. But you know what? All throughout, the, all throughout this episode, I was reminded of an earlier Fringe episode about a guy that had these horrible, horrible visions of devils and demons and he would sketch them out on a on a piece of paper and um you know you know he was he was catholic so he had catholic guilt about all these visions that he was perceiving so this episode really had hints of that but in a different way because now in this now in this remix timeline things are different so this episode was interesting but I felt that this episode had too much of that storyline from an earlier season. Am I crazy for thinking that? You're not, because this is very similar to when Zach Orth could tap into the ghost network. And he would get these visions of tragedies right before they happened. And in this remix timeline, I know that something that they are going to be excited to do is revisit things that are similar to things we have already seen, but put a new spin on them, which is fine and definitely something that they can do as the writers of Fringe. But anybody who listened to last week's episode, I was so happy that we were going all in on the serialized universe war and the David Robert Jones of it all. And this week, these two episodes, we put that all on pause again. We go back to two mysteries of the week that we're going to talk about. We get the other side involved a little bit more next episode but this is just a very standard we're doing something that we have done before because it works we throw in a lot of massive dynamic and nina stuff interwoven that is the carryover part of the story but this is a mystery of the week that we are trying to reestablish things that we've seen before but in a new way and remind us more about the cortexafan trials Olivia questioning if this girl, Emily, has had something done to her as a child that tapped into this power that will echo the Olivia stuff that she is still grappling with as she's dealing with these headaches and trying to figure out what is going on in her situation. And as they look into this, you know, some kid drawing a creepy drawing of someone's death that's about to come true is not even just a fringe thing. It's been in horror movies for decades. But it is effective. So in that opening where she draws the guy who gets killed in the construction accident, it is creepy and then violent to see that actually happen. But I get a little bit taken aback that we are hitting the brakes so much on the overarching stuff again. But this happens in 20 episode seasons where we have to draw out the story and build up some of the characters. Now, spending a lot of time with Emily and her father, Jim, doesn't do a lot for me, but I like the Olivia Nina stuff that we get sprinkled throughout a lot more. You mentioned the Olivia Nina stuff halfway through this episode. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, oh, fuck. I, fi I figured out 
where they're going with the Olivia and Nina stuff. And I was fucking pissed. I was like, God damn it. Why did I remember? I mean, you know, you know, I, I knew I was going to remember at some point, but I was like, why did it have to happen now? Why didn't, why didn't I remember like two or three scenes before it actually happened? I really appreciated the relationship building between Olive and Nina in this episode because Nina for the last little bit has been, has, has really pissed me off and her motives became clearer to me in this, in, in these two episodes. And I really, really appreciated that. Yeah. I think that they have been laying the groundwork and the other super interesting thing of this episode is we put on hold two episodes ago, Olivia saw September and he said, you're going to die. You're going to die, Olivia. And finally, she's diving into the ramifications of what that was and who that was. Because this fringe team does not know much about observers. So they start to look into like, what's going on with this dude as this other massive dynamics that was happening. And Peter says, oh, the observers, I know all about these guys. So luckily, Peter Bishop is here to lay it out. And as they are going through this, he says they have seen what happens. They exist kind of outside of time because they're everywhere all at once. Everything everywhere all at once is the observers. So like if he says you are going to die, I don't know that we can change this. I think that they've already seen it happen and it's kind of locked. So that obviously is upsetting news. And Olivia with this girl who can predict nearby death tries to see if this Emily kid can sense anything about her because now that she knows she's on a collision course with a bad outcome, she wanted to know if there's, there's anything that this kid can sense and it doesn't really play out that way. There's not anything there, but what are you thinking as we finally are really reintroducing the observers back in an important way to this fringe team that doesn't really know about observers? I'm really interested to see if this remix timeline is going to present the observers in a much more straightforward way and a much more violent way. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see instead of having them be the traditional observers, uh, alien beings that just stand back and watch history observe because September broke the rules of the observers. So I'm really interested to see how the observers are going to punish him and how they're going to deal with that and the ramifications that that is going to have on this remix timeline and our timeline and several things that haven't happened yet for us. Yeah, we're really wondering what he has done, really, because we know that he didn't erase Walter's memory back in the early episodes. And so we don't know what the ripple effect of that is or how the observers would deal with that and what that can open the door to later. We just know that he was shot and he gave Olivia this ominous warning. And of course, the thing with the kid and the drawings, Emily mentions, even as she ends up dying by the end of the episode, that everyone has a purpose and maybe saving these people was her purpose. And that, you know, if you do the thing you're supposed to do, then you can move on and it's fine, which is laying the groundwork for some sort of sacrifice that Olivia Dunham may have to make in restoring stuff or fixing something because they're trying to remind us that sometimes you have to die for the things you believe in. And I get a little bit concerned that we're 
hitting that point thematically at this point in the season. Okay, but let me ask you something, right? Do you think that our Olivia needs to hear that? Don't you think that don't you think that our Olivia Dunham, whether she was this remix version or our original original version, wouldn't need to hear that speech of someone telling her sometimes, you know, we need to sacrifice ourselves to save everybody else? Like like don't you think our Olivia should have enough confidence within her own being to to do the right thing? Well, I think you have said it exactly right. Our Olivia does. <laughs> I don't think that this remix Olivia does. I don't know that she has ever been in love in the same way that our Olivia has. I don't know that she's had the same experiences and seen the same shit. Obviously, her mother figure is a snake that we can't trust. So there's a lot of stuff at play that I think our three-season Olivia, of course, she knows this, but I think that this remix, Olivia, there might be, it might have been worth, you know, shouting from the back just to let her know that that was what was up. Yeah, it's funny. It's like I answered my own question there. <laughs> yeah, I like, 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 yeah, yeah. With this first episode, I was like, because, because the last episode we talked about was the Mr. Jones episode, and that episode was so good. But like you said in your opening remarks about this episode, this episode just felt like a, this episode felt like somebody hit the brakes and I'm like, I come on, just give it to us already. It, it, it was, it was good, but it was really laborious. It was really lame. I thought to put it nicely. I do not disagree with that assessment. Let's move on to something. Hopefully, hopefully less lame. Although maybe not episode 11, making angels aired February 3rd, 2012. Written by Goldsman, Wyman, and Pinkner. Directed by Charles Beeson. Marcelo, that sneaky woman with a vagenda has returned. What are you thinking as Walter is in a bit of a tizzy that Folivia has returned to his life? I absolutely love elements of this episode. To see Folivia interact with our Walter and to see that dynamic was absolutely wonderful. One thing that I really, really loved is when at, at one point in the episode, Walter and Fo Olivia are in the lab and Walter has like has like this pocketbook or this box full of junk and he just he just feeds it out in front of Fo Olivia and Fo Olivia is so positive and so and so what's the word I'm looking for? Passive aggressive. She is so passive aggressively happy and so Go lucky. I just love their dynamic together. And then as Walter picks up a, um, a silver box and he was like, what is this? Like a mind control device or something? It was just so good. It was so wonderful to see that dynamic. Yeah, that was great. And I think that my favorite parts of this episode are where we deal with the alternates. So the alternate stuff is all really good. I love that this Walter has a history with faux Olivia because she also did trick them while their Olivia was gone. And I love that even though he begrudgingly is like upset that she's coming back by the end, they like have like this fun rapport that I kind of enjoyed. And the other stuff with, as the mystery of the week goes on Raiden Lake and the observers. I like all of that. This mystery of the week, the tears of raw, this MIT professor, this 
you know, the wrong kid died. I, I just didn't care. I was like, why are we backpedaling so much with this mystery of the week stuff? Two episodes in a row when I just want the bookends that I love. But I did like that the inciting incident for this is that the other side's Astrid comes over. She is on the spectrum. We can tell that, you know, she's not the same as our Astrid. I believe that it's Asperger's or something. And she comes over because she's having a tough time after the passing of her father. And she thinks the only person who can kind of help her deal with this is herself. So I love all of the scenes with the two Astrid's. I think finally they're giving Jessica Nicole something to do. They're treating that character with a bit more respect than they have. And I like that this season as a whole, she's had a lot more to do. But having the the two Astrid's in one place try and work this out and get more of both of their backstories, by the end of it, we realize that our version, her father is still around and she maybe was not as truthful with the alternate, but she did the human thing, which is try and walk them through this and and help them deal with the, the grief incited by that. Because I thought that was interesting and something we haven't really seen Fringe do much of where the only person who can understand what you're going through is you. So I liked that a lot. And I thought those were the strengths of the episode for sure. No, I think our Astrid gave the alt Astrid exactly what she needed to hear. Whether whether it was the truth or not, that's irrelevant because sometimes when somebody's going through a hard time, whether it's yourself or not, you just have to give that individual something to hold on to and something to tell them or to help them understand that, you know, you know, things may be tough right now, but it's going to get better. So I, you know, you know, I mean, I, I mean, that is that is really simplifying something that, you know, the fringe writers tried to do in this episode. But that's basically it. Also, I did not like the case of the week episode. But the but the only thing that I had running through my head was I'm like, did this professor guy figure out a way to harness the power of the observers because it wasn't it wasn't explicitly said but i'm like is that what he figured out how to do we have to figure out if that is what what has been happening so i i don't know like you said it's not explicitly said and we are still trying to wrap our head around exactly what that is and why that was so i do think there's a lot of stuff they've put on the table that we we need to clean up cuz if if that's definitely the case, because the basic gist of why this individual does this is because he was that child that was ignored by 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 his mother. He was the black sheep of the family. So that's why he tried harder. That's why he became an MIT professor. That's why he tried everything to stick out and to be the good somebody could never quite make it. So. I am thinking that if he did, you know, find a way to harness the power of the Azurbers to see everybody's future all at once, that's what initially made him crazy and made him the way that he is. But that might be looking too far into it. It could be. They don't give us enough information, I think, to know for sure. And certainly it's understandable that we always we always do these stories on Fringe where somebody feels inadequate or like something has gone wrong in their life. And they're trying to find the way to to fix it. And they end up going to the wrong lengths to fix the wrong thing. And of course, this ends up 
basically in the guy committing suicide by cop by trying to get Olivia to kill him because he shoots at her and he misses because he knows that he wouldn't have been able to move on to where he thinks he's going if he had took his own life. So I thought that was interesting. And I do like the fact that this is all taking place at Raiden Lake, which is obviously such a big, important venue for Fringe to revisit. And even though I don't really love the mystery of the week, this does give us an excuse for Olivia and Peter to work together a lot in the episode, which without Lincoln tagging along a lot, finally gave me some of the dynamic that I've been wanting back. So the fact that as they are tracking this down, it is mostly Peter and Olivia hanging out. I enjoyed that quite a bit, but I do think that the Astrid thing is strong. When Folivia comes over, those scenes are great. And then when we find out that there is something that September lost and that the observers realize by the end, you know, Peter Bishop is here. What the fuck? I think that it's propelling us into the more interesting part of the story going forward. Yeah, I, you know, like I said, I'm really interested to see how the observers will punish September when they figure out what the hell he did and how they are going to rationalize it and how they are going to fix the timeline to 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 the best of their to the best of their ability. And what I think is going to happen is I think that he's going to get exiled. I think that they I think that we're going to see an observer not have his power taken away from him and have to be exiled from the observer space-time continuum the observer space-time continuum if that's even even a thing. That's what I'm most interested in and also uh, because because you know I'm a Lincoln guy. So I was really disappointed that Lincoln didn't meet the alt version of Olivia in this episode. I'll I'll just leave it there because if I'm because if I remember correctly, what happens with them is really cool. So I was just disappointed that they didn't get a didn't get a chance to say, "Hey, hi," you know. This will be something in the future. But you know, but but you know, but that's just me because I'm such a I'm such a Lincoln guy when it comes to this version of Lincoln and not the alt version of Lincoln that you like so much. Right. So we definitely didn't get their reunion or any sort of recognition in this one. And in terms of what September's punishment would be because he didn't do what he was supposed to, well, we already know he gets shot in the gut and is bleeding out at some point. So we have to wonder, is that connected now that the other observers realize he did not follow orders like a good little soldier and something else has gone on here that is now threatening the space-time continuum we don't know we still don't know the ramifications of what he has done and how that can affect things for better or for worse which is something we will have to find out hopefully next week when we talk about episodes 12 and 13 of the fourth season welcome to westfield and a better human being so if you are watching along with the fourth season of fringe Those will be the two episodes we will talk about on the next episode of the pod. If you guys want to get in touch with us, you can tweet using the hashtag Radio815 or reach out to us on Twitter at JJUniverse815. Please like, subscribe, follow. Check out the YouTube if you don't like to do podcast feeds. We are everywhere you get your podcasts. We are on YouTube. Any support, any comment, we appreciate. We welcome it. 
If you want to get in touch with me, Twitter is a good spot. I am at Matt Crandall. Marcelo, how can the good folks get in touch with you? I'm also on Twitter at MattCreekFanatic88. That'll do it. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, Radio 815, over and out. Radio 815 is a Balloonhead Productions presentation in association with Killer Newt Productions.